0: Thank you.
1: It's March 1st at 3.05 p.m. on the East Coast, and welcome to another edition of the TDN Writers' Room. I'm Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for the Thoroughbred Daily News, and I co-host the Down the Stretch show on Sirius XM Radio. I want to remind you that the TDN Writers' Room podcast each and every week is brought to you by our good friends
2: at Keeneland. Hi, I'm Randy Moss with uh, NBC Sports and the Buyer Speed Figure Group.
0: Zoe Kapman here with XP TV Santa Anita and First Racing got Doodle, my cohort, my little ray of sunshine, in the background. And guys, Pinch Punch, first day of the month. Ever heard of that one?
1: I have not, so I got it's, it. it. <laughs> it's an
0: English thing.
1: Okay. An English and Zoe, uh, by the way, we have to give a shout out to Doodle. We have to give a shout out to Lucy, who is once again over Randy's right shoulder. We say hi to Lucy as we do most every week. So guys, a lot to talk about. But let's go back to last weekend. And as we usually like to start the show, to review the big news of the weekend on the racetrack. It was without a doubt the rebel stakes and a couple storylines here. The one that I found most interesting um, in confidence games when was the trainer, Keith Desarmo, you know, what a great story. This guy is writing time and time again. This is a $25,000 Keeneland September yearling purchase that now is worth uh, many times that and is a legitimate contender for the Kentucky Derby after winning the rebel at 18 to one. How does Keith Desarmo do this time and time again, come up with these sources Got to give the guy a tremendous amount of credit. Another storyline I thought, uh, Randy, before I throw it to you, was this was a rare Kentucky Derby prep where Brad Cox wasn't the story, didn't have a particularly good afternoon with Verifying running fourth at three to two, and Giant Mischief uh, running sixth at two to one. So the Cox freight train uh, derailed just ever so briefly at uh, Oakland Park that weekend for the Rebel but uh, Randy take it away your thoughts on the Rebel stakes?
2: yeah let me talk about the race itself and then we'll get into uh, Keith Desormo one of the most underrated trainers in America I think it's pretty clear uh, after that uh I thought it was a really nice effort for the winter confidence game uh, yeah, I don't really know how much the sloppy racetrack boosted his performance I don't think anybody will know that until he runs back on a fast track but when you look at him two races back in that key allowance race at Churchill Downs he beat rocket can hit show was also in that races and also ran and both those horses have come back to win Derby preps so at 18 to one um uh, a very nice win for confidence game some of the other horses in there red route one continues to improve I had him about 14 lengths off the pace in the early part of the race he continues to look like a horse that uh, is going to flourish as the distances get longer reincarnate I thought ran a huge race to finish third. He didn't break slowly, but for some reason, he was like eight lengths back early, even though he was hustled a little bit. He took all that slop in the face. He moved up sort of alongside Red Route 1 and was rallying next to him when he was shut off at about the eighth pole and had to come back and go around and still ran well to finish third. And as far as verifying goes, it's not a huge excuse, but he was down on the inside and sort of bottled up uh, from maybe like the 516th pole to about the 316th pole, and, and then raced in some traffic even after that. He didn't have to steady, didn't have to check, but didn't necessarily um, have the cleanest trip as far as traffic goes. And he was down on the inside, which might not have been the best part of the racetrack at Oakland Park on that Saturday. So I'm willing to think that he's probably a little bit better than that fourth-place finish would indicate. I saw no excuses at all giant uh, mischief um, kind of carried out a little bit bore out slightly going into the first turn but he looked to me to be a horse that might not relish the added distances mm-hmm.
0: yeah I mean it, it was a good race confidence game got a perfect trip under James Graham you'd wish he have switch leads coming down the lane but he just looked like he was green um, I love the quotes from trainer Keith to and I get the beeper ready Because he was quoted as saying, the trainer really needs to get his shit together. And he messed up. He didn't school him. If you've ever been to Oaklawn, and we've all been to Oaklawn, that inside paddock can be horrific when you're down in it. There's about, I don't know, 60,000 people there. And they're all above you trying to cram over and take a look at the horses. And he, he lost his shit, basically. He completely lost it. And Keith simply said that, my God, I wish I'd schooled him in the paddock. I wish I'd done that. He thought he ran his race in the paddock. James Graham not only is a very good jockey, but he's an excellent horseman. So he got on him, cooled him down in the post parade and just let this horse relax into the nice rhythm that he needed to relax into. I thought visually um, the horse finishing the best and who looked like he was coming like a freight train was Red Route 1 for trainer Steve Asmussen. He even had to swerve at about the 16th pole and auto course. It didn't really affect him whatsoever. One thing you have to take into consideration is the sloppy track. Both of these colts obviously relish it. I think uh, Dasomo was talking about the Tomlinson number. If you read the DRF, the Tomlinson's number rate from like 80 to 480 and Confidence Game has a 455, the largest in the field. So I think The sloppy track is going to enhance him. He should definitely stay at Oaklawn where it always rains on a Saturday in (laughs) three-year-old season. So that is most definitely going to help him. And Red Route One's got a 4.30. So these are two Colts that are definitely enhanced by an off-track. Red Route One, I think he finished in 31.74 and confidence game, the final 5.16, 32.47. So Red Route One was coming like an absolute freight train for Asmussen.
1: Zoe, I want to stay with you because of the three of us, I think you're a little bit more of a sales uh, type person. um So, uh, Texas Red wins the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, cost $17,000. This horse cost $25,000. Exaggerator was a huge purchase for Keith Disarmo at 110000 I found another horse that he paid $5,000 for. Uh, the name escapes me at, at, at this point. Swipe, yeah. yeah. One, went on to win 600000 and change. Now, I had asked him about this for the story I did in the TDN. And here's a remarkable thing. He realized there had to be some issue with confidence game at the sales because he said that the horse was way back in the catalog, which made no sense based on its breeding. He purposely didn't look at the x-rays because he didn't want anything to change his mind. But, you know, speak to what this guy has done at the sales with these bargain basement horses and how unusual would it be for somebody to buy a horse and refuse to look at the x-rays?
0: He's a horseman, front and center. This cult by Candy Ride out of Eblouissante, who wasn't a magnificent racehorse, but she was a half-sister to Zenyatta. So she, he should never have been that far back in the book. He basically didn't vet. I don't know what the vet report said. It was probably horrific. I mean, we see all kinds of things, horses go on. They just need a bit of time and do magnificent things. A perfect example, uh, Matoli, by all accounts. Didn't vet that didn't hurt him whatsoever, they just need time, and they need horsemen to be able to manage whatever little aches and pains they have and You know if nothing showed up, just just go on with it, and I think that is what Keith has done time and time again. One other thing he does is he buys the same kind of horse over and over again if you look at his horses in his barn, the big, long, rangy, big-headed hate to say that Keith, but sorry. Two-turn kinds of horses, and that is the exact type of horse that Keith likes to buy. Now, they don't all pan out, that's for sure, but he's definitely got lucky with some very, very good horses that he bought for minimal amounts.
2: Yeah, well, kudos to Keith Desarmo. He keeps getting it done. I've got 11 horses on a list here over the last 10 years that he had at some point on the Triple Crown Prep Trail, and seemingly he's got a horse every year that's at least somewhere in the mix at some point. And of the 11 horses, Exaggerator is the only one that brought six figures, and he brought 110,000. So kudos, kudos to Keith.
0: Now he's spending some money now, too. So God only knows what's going to happen now. He's got some money in his pocket. I mean, Keith, sky, sky may be the limit for Keith now.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely does a great job. Hey, so let's turn our attention to some of the -the off-the-track news during the week. And we saw this coming. We knew it. But Rick Dutrow uh, got his license back this week from the New York Gaming Commission after that 10-year license revocation that started way back in 2013 uh he paid his 10 years the time was up and i we've talked about this earlier in the show i'll repeat what i said before um you know he's a polarizing figure he has a lot of people that are, are are in his corner and and think he was railroaded there are other people that think he's just a real bad guy that doesn't belong in horse racing um my take would be i mean he's neither um you know rick was was no boy scout he pushed the envelope he got into some trouble whether or not he deserved a 10-year revocation of his license or not, was that too strict? Uh, perhaps it was. But he, I think at, at that point, he definitely deserved some so, sort of penalty. Uh, but he's coming back now. And now the question is, you know, what is going to be Rick Dutrow 2.0? Uh, Randy, I think he's going to do really well. And the reason why I say that is, again, because he does have a lot of people in his corner. And he wins. And, you know, owners want trainers that win. Uh, I think people will put up with the baggage if Rick Dutrow can come back and be the old Rick Dutrow. There's no reason why he can't. Um, This is a guy who won a Kentucky Derby and a Breeders Cup Classic, Big Brown and St. Liam. So I I think that uh, Rick Dutrow is going to have a very successful second chapter to his career.
2: I do too. I really do because he's an outstanding horseman. Look, there are a lot of different things you could say about Rick Dutrow. I mean, was he sloppy in the way he handled a lot of his business? Clearly so. But he was kind of a sloppy sort of individual to begin with. And he'd be the first one to tell you that, right? Uh, I think they made an example of him. And I I am on the record as believing that 10 years was was much too harsh. And I'm also on the record as saying that I believe that part of that 10-year suspension was because he was considered, and they even used this word, obnoxious by some Mm -hmm. people. Well, well, hell, if they're going to suspend people 10 years for being obnoxious, then a lot of us are in trouble. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad he got his license back. I think he was overdue. And I do think that he will have uh, a good deal of success because he had a lot of primo clients in his corner for good reason when he was suspended.
0: OK, babe, we're going to hear an awful lot <laughs> of babe coming up. And I'm going to guarantee that this time next year, we're going to be talking about Rick Dutrow on the way to the Kentucky Derby, babe. So he's going to be active at the two-year-old sales, I have no doubt in my mind, and those two-year-olds will be three-year-olds next year. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and we'll know shortly what kind of clients he's getting. He said that he also now needs to apply for stalls at Naira. Um, that, I'm sure that, that that's a um, a formality. So uh, maybe within three or four weeks, we'll see the first Rick Dutrow horse on the racetrack. Okay, speaking of trainers behaving badly— A very good story in uh, today, today being Wednesday's Thoroughbred Daily News, by Sid Fernando, who shed some light on Jason's service situation, and uh, in particular, the drug that he was admitted to using, uh, STF-1000. Now, uh, Sid does not claim that he is innocent of any charges because he did, in fact, commit the uh, crimes of misbranding drugs and using a drug that was illegal. But Sid uh, makes a very compelling case that this stuff was kind of, uh, what's the right word, benign, tame, was not was not juice, was not dope, was not a PED. He talks about how it was in widespread use um, uh, uh, in, around the backstretch for years. He uh, anonymously quotes some trainers. He says they're major trainers saying they used it as well. And, you know, from, from everything that, that he wrote and things that I have read, Uh, it's not the type of thing like some of these things that jorge navarro was giving his horses all sorts of crazy names like red acid and things like that that would necessarily move a horse up so you know jason service uh crossed the line he violated rules and he's going to jail for it um it wasn't sid's point that he's innocent but his point was that you know this drug or medication or whatever you want to call it generally was not a big deal, Randy.
2: I thought it was a very well-written and well-researched piece. And to TDN's credit, right up at the top, they highlighted uh, the obvious conflict of interest concerns. And that is that Sin Fernando is in the bloodstock business. And one of his big clients happens to be Gary and Mary West with the Saudi Cup a uh, purse of maximum security still out there in limbo and the Saudi official saying that they're conducting their own investigation, the West's, one of his biggest clients, uh, tend to make $10 million if they turn loose of that purse money that maximum security won for, from finishing first. So, you know, but that doesn't make the article not factually correct. And it doesn't mean that the points that Sid Fernando made in that article uh, were not good points. Um, it for those of us who always suspected, even long before this, and there were a lot of us, that Jason Service was doing something that was uh, that was a little bit uh, you know beyond legality with some of the results he was getting. It makes you have an open mind to read this story and read that this particular substance uh, might not have been you know as uh, as aggressively. Of flouting the rules as we might have suspected. And again, it doesn't make him innocent. Uh, but I thought it was very well written and thought provoking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I would encourage everyone to go and read the story in full. It's long, it's well detailed, and very, very well researched. So well done, Sid.
1: Uh, Sid didn't get into this, but um, and we don't have an answer to it, but what on earth are the Saudis doing? It's been three years. Since this race has been run, the investigation is concluded in the United States. Uh, Services admitted uh, to using these drugs, admitted to whether, well, you know, doping his horses, uh, and yet they're still dragging their feet. I, I don't think any of us have an answer, but it's getting a uh, code of border non ridiculous at this point.
2: Yeah. Well, as we all know, sometimes there are no wheels of justice at all in Saudi Arabia. And in this case, the wheels of justice are moving <laughs> at an excruciatingly slow pace. They say they're conducting their own investigations. It's going to be interesting to see what they come up with eventually, if they come up with anything.
0: And you know the really interesting thing? Should Midnight Bisou get moved up to first, how much is Mike Smith's whip fine going to be? Did, it, oh did anyone goodness. figure that out? He already paid 200000 for running second. If what was get, it
1: was it was it was like 50% of his earnings or something like that it, it, as i recall <laughs> that's a good point zoe I, i'm was sure he'll take it
0: 000?
1: yeah something like that absolutely <laughs> yeah so let's see if you win 10 million purse the jockey would get a million dollars so if the fine was 50% i don't recall what it was exactly but it was in that neighborhood We a fine of 500,000 dollars for a whip violation so uh uh got to be by uh, many many factors of uh the, the largest find in, in the history of,
0: of horse racing. The TDM Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland. On Sunday, April the 30th, Keeneland will host an April Selected Horses of Racing Age sale, beginning at 4 p.m. Entry deadline for the print version of the sale catalog is Monday, April the 3rd. Approved supplemental entries will be accepted right up until the day of the sale. We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. If this place could talk, it would roar. It would say, this is racing, this beating heart in the heart of horse country, steady and strong beneath the roar,
2: reminding us why,
0: for the love of the horse, for generations to come.
3: He was just put together like a machine, and he had a great mind. Everything about him was what you'd want.
2: Tis the law pops the cork and the champagne. Tis the law is going to win the first leg of the triple crown.
3: I've never seen him get tired.
2: Respect the law. Tis the law.
3: His structure is just perfect. His bone is perfect. He's left the others behind. He's going to win the run, Happy Travers. He's everything you would look for in a horse.
0: Mendelssohn continues to churn out new winners, sending out five last week alone. His stakes-placed three-year-old RGs gave his sire an international double in Dubai on Friday with a victory just a little over 12 hours after Jenny Lind broke her maiden at Turfway to become his fifth winner of the week. Felix the Scamp made it three winners in three different countries in a 24-hour period when he broke his maiden in Australia. Mendelssohn is standing his second season at Coolmore for a fee of $25,000. Good value, I think.
1: Well, Zoe, congratulations on getting through the blizzard warning in Los Angeles (laughs) County (laughs) last weekend. My goodness, what a strange story that was with snow on the mountains uh, outside of Santa Anita. So uh, the weather hopefully will be better this weekend because there's a lot going on at Santa Anita. Tell us more.
0: Oh, my goodness. There is so much going on at Santa Anita, guys. I don't know where to start. Um, we'll start with Saturday. Obviously, we'll run on Friday. But Saturday, we have a 12 race card, four graded stakes there at Santa Anita, culminating with the Grade 1 Kilrow Mile and the Grade 1 Big Cap that goes as race number 12. We will have a mandatory pick six payout expected to exceed over $3 million. Guys, it most definitely is the place to be. And I'm going to guarantee that it is going to be dry and sunny on Saturday.
1: All right. You heard it right from Zoe Cabin. It's going to be a beautiful day <laughs> Saturday at San Anita. And if it's not, we will bring it up next week on the show. Now, Zoe, you didn't mention the San Felipe. Let's start with that since we're in yeah. three-year-old mode. And um, we're going to hear from uh, Jack Wolf, the managing partner of Starlight Racing, a partnership that is involved with National Treasure in Fort Bragg. He is the Green Group Guest of the Week. I thought this was a, a pretty wide-open race myself. Uh, Jack was very high in National Treasure. Uh, trained now, these horses have moved into the Tim Yakteen barn. Matter of fact, Yakteen has, what, five in here, correct? Uh, including uh, four old Baffert horses and one that he trained himself, uh, who is a contender in here, practical move. I'm kind of looking for, I'm just looking for value here um, because I think the race is so wide open. I'm going to take a flyer on Skinner. Uh, even though he just broke his maiden last time out for John Sheriffs. But uh, the way Sheriffs has handled this horse, he's been so confident in him. Running him a couple grade ones as a maiden last year, it didn't work out. He brought him back on February 12th in a maiden special weight race. Looked very good, winning for Victor Espinosa, getting the 95 buyer number. But this is a, a tough race to handicap, I think. Uh, Randy, have you taken a look? And uh, who'd you yeah. come up with?
2: Yeah, we're, in fact, we're going to be doing it on NBC, the San Felipe, along with the Fountain of Youth and, Five other races live from either Gulfstream Park or Santa Anita. It's an interesting race. Like back back in 2011, there was a horse called Bench Points that finished third in the San Felipe. He was trained by Tim yakteen To date, it's the only horse yakteen has ever started in the San Felipe. And now he has five in the same season, of course, courtesy, four of those courtesy of, uh, of the Bob Baffert situation. It should be a pretty fast-paced race, I think, because he jazzy who I have some distance questions about, is a very fast horse. He's almost certainly going to go to the lead with Mike Smith. And then you've got the Mandela horse, Go Rocket Ride, who broke his maiden uh, sprinting. He's one for one, very impressively, who also has speed. So he should be probably, I'm guessing, he's always the ex-jockey, but I'm guessing positioned just outside of Hijazi, but not far away. And probably going at a relatively decent cliff. Sometimes it takes three horses to really push a fast pace, uh, but I think those two will probably set the pace, and I think National Treasure is probably going to get a great trip, an inside trip, uh, stalking from the rail, probably fourth or so early. So I think he's going to be the horse to beat. But Skinner is a horse, like you mentioned, who uh, who looked really, really good uh, last time out breaking his maiden. One more horse, just to mention, uh, the connections, and he should be a decent price. Uh, You don't see it on paper necessarily, but the connections have been extremely high on Fort Bragg. They keep expecting Fort Bragg to have this breakout performance based on what he's shown in the morning that he hasn't really yet shown in the afternoon. So if Fort Bragg is going to be 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 or 15 to 1, which is a possibility in this spot, uh, he might be at least tempting.
0: It's a really good race. Um let's be honest, Go Rocket Ride's going to take a lot of money off that debut. Um we have a little feature on him coming up a little bit later on. His last work was excellent. He got to eat a little bit of dirt, a little bit of kickback. Didn't actually love it, but he just got enough to where I think he'll stand it. So Should he not be on the lead and get a little bit of kickback? I don't think that's going to hurt Go Rocket Ride. He is coming in fresh. All these horses are going to be very fresh. You have to keep that in mind. A lot of them were slated to work on Wednesday. We've still had a lot of rain here. They're actually slated to work on Tuesday. And uh, the, the track was not good enough to allow these horses to work. they walked for two days. They've jogged for three. So we're going to have some fresh horses coming into this race, which I think is going to mean we're going to have pace aplenty. Uh, Go Rocket Ride will be fresh. Skinner, I think it's going to help him. I did speak to John Sheriffs about Skinner, and he was actually a little bit concerned because he said he gets most of his fitness from his gallops. He puts a lot into his gallops, more so than he does his works. He's not the flashiest of workhorses to see in the morning. So Skinner, he was a little concerned that he's missed some of those needed gallops There is no question that he is a very, very talented horse out of that lovely mare winding way. So I think those are going to be the top two for me in there. And I think the real, probably the biggest heavyweight for me from the Yak Team Barn is going to be Practical Move. I think he's a good horse. I'm not sure we've seen quite how good he was. He ran third to having a meltdown. He just missed in Saudi at the weekend. Um, He would be my top pick, actually, from the Tim Yak Team Barn.
1: So we're used to small fields and stakes races at Santa Anita. We have 11 in the San Felipe and 11 in the Santa Anita Handicap, the Big Cap. Uh, before we get into the field, I'm going to make an off-the-wall prediction here, but I think I actually might be right about this. This is going to be the last ever San Anita Handicap. Based on what Belinda Stronach said after the Pegasus World Cup, the race will be renamed next year the Pegasus World Cup West with a three million dollar person, and a bonus tie-in to the Pegasus World Cup at Gulfstream Park. She talked about moving the Pegasus concept to Santa Anita. If it's going to happen, it's got to involve this race. So am I crazy? Maybe a little bit, um, but uh, it, it's no secret this race needs help because of the, the the factors of Dubai and Saudi Arabia. And you know we got a good field here, but you know it hasn't come up with a ton of stars uh, in in recent years. And it's you know one of the greatest races. On the racing calendar and it, when it comes to history and past winners and, and that sort of thing so uh field of 11 here i imagine defunded randy will probably be the favorite i'm gonna take another flyer here on warrant from brad cox who ran second in this race last year uh the best career race of his life if you can duplicate that coming back to san anita he's going to be in the mix there and of course obviously a lot of confidence in brad cox randy what do you think
2: yeah, obviously, looking at this field is a perfect example about how something needs to be done to retool uh, the big cap because of the Saudi race, because of the Dubai World Cup, it's siphoning uh, some of the best horses from America. I mean, the two best older horses in California, arguably the two best older horses in the country, were Country Grammar and Tava, and both of them went overseas rather than stay for the Sanita Handicap just because of the money. Uh, Defunded will probably be the favorite, but I don't think he's a standout. He's got to deal with Stiletto Boy again on the front end uh proxy is going to get some money coming off a disappointing performance in the Pegasus World Cup in which he was back to his old tricks again we talked about that before the Pegasus Cup how they thought that maybe he had matured and he wasn't going to do his routine at the half mile pole of dropping the bit and taking himself back out of it it's exactly what he did in the Pegasus he was back to his old tricks. so whether he's going to you know rebound or not here I don't know but he's got Johnny V and and he fits pretty well in this spot And a long shot to throw into your superfectas, maybe. Uh, And he's going to be a long shot, maybe 20, 30 to one. There goes Harvard.
0: Oh, you stole it.
2: All right. Did (laughs) I steal it? Oh, sorry, Zoe. (laughs) So there goes Harvard. Had a really bad race last July in the San Diego in which he was obviously injured. He was off until February. They brought him back on the turf. He was short. He got beat four lengths. He backed up. But if you go three races back before all that happened, uh, he ran down defunded in the Gold Cup at Santa Anita. The the Hollywood Gold Cup, really, is what it was. Uh, That was at a mile and a quarter, just like this. So the distance is okay. I think second start after a layoff for Michael McCarthy. He's got the rail. He's going to be a big price. I think he's worth throwing in there, Zoe.
0: I don't think he's going to be 20 to 1. I mean, if he is, I'll take it. Okay. No, I, I really don't. Purely his form over a mile and a quarter and the fact things weren't going right um, when we saw him. That was purely a comeback race in the Thunder Road last time out. Gets a very good rider aboard Kazuki Kimura. We've seen really great things from this young rider here at Santa Anita. So I like him and I'm looking for a true mile and a quarter horse to win the big cap. I'm going to try and bookend the race. Um, With there goes Harvard on the inside. And then Proxy, who, like you said, Randy, back to his old tricks. But perhaps in hindsight, that wasn't a racetrack that suited his running style. I think he's going to prefer the surface out here at Santa Anita. Of course, like a lot of horses leaving the West Coast and coming in, they have to be rerouted and it's tough to get here. So he went by van to Memphis and then flew in. We're expecting him imminently. That's proxy for trainer Michael Stidham.
1: Now, Zoe, you want to call me crazy for my prediction about the future of the big cap? Go ahead.
0: Uh, I mean, you're probably on to a, I'm not going to call you crazy. You're probably on to a good thing. It it would be sad for me to see the big cap. I mean, that's one of the things you reference Santa Anita with. It's the Santa Anita handicap. It's the big cap. So, but hey, we've got the second and third place finishes in the Pegasus World Cup. It's a logical move forward,
2: right? Absolutely. Well, they we'll lost see what
0: happens. Yes, Goldstream lost the Don. I, I don't know.
1: Well, the Don became the Pegasus World Cup. That's I so know, but that's no longer that with with the Don. Their, their transition was there, so it would be similar. Yeah. So, hey, Zoe, so I really enjoyed. Go ahead, Randy. How about they call it the Pegasus Big Cap?
0: That would be Could awesome. Be.
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's that's a good solution. Sure. All right. I like that. Okay, we've the got it. we'll see I'll, if it I'll, is tied, tied into the in. Pegasus next year. Hey, Zoe. Last week I really enjoyed your first installment of First Things First. You caught up with Frankie DeTore and Mike Smith. What do you have for us this week?
0: Well, this this week, guys, in First Things First, uh, I got to catch up with one of my favorite people. That's Hall of Famer Dick Mandela, Flavian Pratt, and of course, go Rocket Ride. Through the work richard everything you were hoping
3: for uh worked very nice uh he worked with a filly that i think is really good we let her set the pace for him a little bit he sat back relaxed real nice and finished good and, and i think we're ready to go
0: uh, who did he work with because she looked pretty darn good richard
3: a filly named avon who's by Curlin out of avenge who was third in the breeders cup turf for fillies and won the rodeo drive and grade one filly and this looks like another grade one film.
0: Keeping the best of company. What is he like as a horse to be around?
2: very nice, sweetheart.
0: Cool, calm and collected?
2: Well, he gets a little
3: testy sometimes, but we want him that way.
0: Got a little bit of dirt on him.
3: We schooled him back behind the dirt.
0: Schooling always.
3: Always planning.
0: <laughs> well, how was that? Yeah, he looked good galloping out. Yeah, no, he did All right, he's ready. We're ready. (laughs) The classic meet continues with Big Cap Day at Santa Anita Park on the first Saturday, Saturday, March the 4th. There's a mandatory payout. The Pick Six Jackpot Pool must pay out on Big Cap Day, March the 4th. The pool is estimated to reach $3 million. Play in the Live Money $3,500 Ultimate Betting Challenge featuring thousands in prizes. Register at expressbet.com slash tournaments.
2: The TDN Riders Room is brought to you by Lane's Inn Farm. The Lane's Inn Stallion of the Week is a horse that I happen to believe. is one of the most underrated racehorses of the last two decades. Candy Ride. And he was the sire of two stakes winners, on Saturday, confidence game, who we've talked about with that eighteen to one upset win in the Rebel Stakes, the son of Candy Ride, it was his first black type win, and of course it furthers him along the trail toward the Kentucky Derby. But same day, Florida Gulfstream Park, the Gulfstream Park Sprint Stakes went to Candyman Rocket. Now three consecutive wins for Candyman Rocket, trained by Bill Mott, all in sprint races. You think Gun Runner is hot? How about The sire of Gunrunner, Candy Ride, stands for $75,000 at Lane's End Farm. Catalina Cruiser. He won seven of nine starts coast to coast with six triple-digit buyers and five dominating graded stakes wins, including a record in the grade two true north stakes, a son of leading fifth crop sire, Union Rags, a $370,000 yearling with an imposing physical and one of the best of his generation. There's only one Catalina Cruiser, now standing at Lane's End. The fastest horse of the week is brought to you by the fast stallions at Windstar Farms, such as the sire that ran 10 triple-digit buyer speed figures, nine of them... In a row. We'll talk about that, Sire, a little later. First, the fastest horse of the week. Now, technically, President's Day, it was February the 20th, it was a Monday, was a part of this past week. So, our fastest horse of the week is the Chosen Vron, whose six and a half length victory in the now stakes at Santa Anita on Monday earned the week's high buyer speed figure 103. The Chosen Vron is a five-year-old gelding by the Danzig Stallion Vronsky, hence his name. And it's now won five straight stakes races against California breads for trainer Eric Kroljak. But don't dismiss him just because he's been running against state breads. He is fast. Before the tis now, he had run seven furlongs in 120.66, six furlongs in 108.96. And don't forget, as a three-year-old, he beat Open Company in the grade three Las Barrera and the grade three of uh, Affirm. Both at Santa Anita, he's on a roll. The chosen Vron, fastest horse of the week. Now back to that fast sire at Windstar. Tom's Data, the dominant winner of the grade one Clark Stakes, in which he earned a 105 buyer speed figure, but his best ever buyer, the 109 he earned in the stephen foster where he stopped the clock for a mile and an eighth at 147.30 two hundredths of a second off the track record set back in 1999 those were just two of the ten triple digit buyer speed figures from the grade one winning millionaire by smart strike tom's day tots first yearlings come to market in 2023 this year The Green Group is an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry with over 500 clients and the horse business and proven strategies to save you taxes. You can learn more by going to www.greenco.com. Welcome in. Now, the Green Group guest of the week, Jack
1: Wolf. You know him as the managing partner of Starlight Racing, which is one of the group that owns several good horses with Bob Baffert and Tim Yachteen. Pointing for the Kentucky Derby along with SF Racing, Madaket Stables, and a host of others. Uh, we'll ask him about that that have brought in uh, to the uh, partnership as well. Jack, welcome. And we want to talk about your horses in the San Felipe this weekend. But people will always notice right off the bat that they're not running for Bob Baffert. They're running for Tim Yack team now. Situation was out of your control. Could you just address that and your confidence in Tim? Uh, Tim, obviously the team really has a lot of uh, confidence in him.
3: No, I think, you know, we've started... Went down this road last year, and it's it seems to be working. Uh, the transfers seems to be working a lot more smoothly than last year. You know, when Bob was uh, actually, I think, serving the suspension then, and uh, but it seems like it's going easier. And it's I think we're fortunate to uh, have Bob <clears throat> working with us and trying to uh, continue to have these you know particular horses. Uh, be eligible for the derby points. And I think he's, he and Tom Ryan and Tim, I think have done a great job working together to to pull this off up to this point.
2: Hey, Jack. Well, when you talk about these particular horses, like Bill said, let's start with the San Felipe, uh, National Treasure and Fort Bragg. Uh, National Treasure has obviously uh, done some things already on the racetrack that have uh, drawn attention to him. But I was talking to uh, Mr. Ryan, as you mentioned, just a couple of weeks ago, and he was trying to tell me on Fort Bragg as a horse that might be a real up and comer. Give us your scouting report on those two for Saturday.
3: Well, I've uh, I've been a big fan of National <clears throat> Treasure from the get go, and I'm going to stick with by my guns that. Uh, you know he's running what two grade ones and a grade three and you know he's stakes place in all of them. It seems as if the the, the time off and the breeze patterns uh, would indicate that you know we're sort of pointing for this race. And, uh, and I got a text from a friend of mine this morning, just hoping, saying, "Hope he wins the next three races that that he's in." So. Uh, <laughs> But I, I understand the Ford Bragg deal. And, you know, I was looking at the numbers this morning. Um, you, you know, the the top two horses are going to be hard to beat. But uh, Ford Bragg is, you know, breezing, doing very well. And uh, let's uh, use him with one of the five Yachtin horses, I guess. <laughs> you
1: know? And, uh, Jack, let's get back to National Treasure, because I think among the two horses you have in the San Felipe, He'll be the uh, lower price of the two. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. He'll be among the favorites. An interesting situation in the Sham last time out. He's three to five and he gets beat. He runs third, but your group still wins the race. So it's a good news, bad news situation. Um, what did you think of his last race? And were you a tad disappointed that he got beat at three to five that day?
3: Well, I, I didn't bet reincarnate, uh, which I guess I should have but sixteen to one. I waited until he was nine to two in uh, Arkansas to bet on him and. Uh, so I was wrong, wrong again, but, you know, looking at that race, <clears throat> I mean, reincarnate beat two really good horses and uh, the horse that came second and third, which obviously our horse was, both of our horses were second and third, came back with some very good buyer numbers and, and very good, uh, rag sheet numbers, but, you know, sort of regress off your question a little bit. I thought, uh, reincarnate ran a, a very solid race under the conditions, uh, you know, in Arkansas this last week or, when, you know, whenever it was. And uh, But to uh, be honest with you, I, I thought that in uh, the sham that uh, National Treasure would be the one to win that race.
2: So you had Newgate, who was uh, hot on the uh, on the Derby Trail until he's been sidelined. You, you mentioned Reincarnate. I loved his race in the Rebel, given everything that happened to him in there. National Treasure Fort Bragg in San Felipe uh Wooster is a horse also that might be a little bit under the radar. Um he ran a really good race a month ago. Um in defeat. Your thoughts on uh, on Wooster and where might we see him next?
3: Uh I agree with you. I think he's a very nice 3-year-old. Um, Tom and, and myself and one of the other partners were talking the other day that um you know we we may consider sending him over to, to Dubai with uh, Hopkins, you know, Dubai Hopkins is going in the six furlong race over there. And I think Wooster would be a natural to, to put in a, you know, the three-year-old race. Uh, and, you know, as far as getting points and I think it is a points race, I, I still think it's too close to, to bring him back. And, and if he were successful to uh, run him in the Derby, but, uh, that's what we've been talking about, uh, but I guess we'll know in about a week or so.
1: And and Jack, the team will also have Carmel Road in the Gotham on Saturday, second last out in the Los Alamitos Detroit. We haven't seen him since. Uh, give us the scouting report on him and why the decision. I mean, I guess you do need to divide your horses up as, as much as possible. But why the decision for to put him on the plane to New York?
3: Uh, you know, Bill, I'm not really sure the – I think what you said to start with makes a lot of sense. I mean, this crop of horses that we have that are now three year olds, we've got, you know, six to eight very talented horses. And, um, you know, we talk about the short fields out in California. Well, this race coming up this weekend is not very short anymore. <laughs> They've got whatever it is, 10 or 11 horses in there. Uh, but I'm sure that's what went into the thinking with Carmel Road. And there again, he's, uh, you know, maybe the mouth suits him better than you know the two turns. Uh, I assume that's a one-term mouth, the Gotham, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah.
2: So, Jack, you guys have, uh, as that group that sort of colloquially known as the Avengers, have pretty much revolutionized the last five or six years the uh, the concept of scatter shooting. I guess at the yearling sales and and buying large numbers of high-priced yearlings in hopes that you'll hit a home run with a couple of them uh, in stud fees, which has proven successful, Justify, Authentic, and others. How did that – take us back to the genesis of that with SF Racing and how that got started.
3: Well, actually, I was at Craig Berenick's, uh house back then. Tom and he and I were friends, and uh, – Actually, I was trying to hustle Tom and Craig uh, Churchill at the time. were trying to get me to do a thing like I did with the Pegasus, and so I was trying to sell Tom and Craig something, and which I couldn't put together and didn't do. So he ended up selling me on putting, you know, our monies together and and trying to do what the model is now that everybody seems to be, you know, copying and. It's very flattering that they're, they're copying us, but it's getting harder to buy horses. But, uh, you know, the program, that's how it started. And and then he reached out to Saul and and basically started with the three of us. And then we had, I don't know, two or three other people in the first group and, and a few different ones in the second and third and fourth group. But, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, my game plan uh, had been Buying uh, yearlings, uh, you know, probably twelve to fourteen yearlings at average cost of two to two fifty, something like that. And we we had a couple of years where we not necessarily going bad. I mean, we still had like thirteen horses into the Derby, uh, Kentucky Derby over the last twenty years, but you know, just wasn't going as well as it had. So um, I thought it made a lot of sense, and thought. Yeah, you know, we'll give it a go. And I, I like Tom and his his outfit. So that's where it started and that's where we are now.
2: So you mentioned the copycats. Uh because of your success, I know Spendthrift Farm and and an even larger ownership group have gotten together, mainly with Brad Cox and Liz Crow, to go compete at the yearling sales with you guys. Uh Mike Propoli and Vinny Viola have joined forces trying to accomplish kind of the same thing. Does that does that mess up in any way the model that you guys created uh, back five six years ago?
3: Probably not, because we've got better bloodstock agents and, mm-hmm. and better operation than the other ones, I think. But uh, I mean, they're 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 buying a lot of stock, and I think uh, they're in the process of having uh, you know a lot of success. You know. Brant's horse, which one was it? The one horse in in Arkansas looked like the real deal Uh, or was it? Verifying.
2: Yes. Right. Um,
3: You know, I don't think any of them like the surface. He's probably still a good horse, Uh, but I'm, you know, I'll I'll put our team against any of those teams out there. And I, I think Mike and Vinny put a little bit more money than, than we do and, Maybe we put a little bit more than the Brad Cox team did. But, uh, you know, I like those guys. It's fun to compete with them and, you know, have at it.
1: Now, Jack, we're we're used to the three partners that we mentioned, um, that Randy mentioned. But now the partnership has grown. These horses now include a bunch more partners, including Stone Street Stables, Robert Masterson. So why did you take the original concept of the three? And now bring it bring some new uh, people
3: into the fold, well, Bat came in the second year. Stone Street's always uh, been in from the get-go, and you know they usually stay in for you know pieces of the horses that they have either bred or that they they really like. Um, and Bat, who wouldn't want to have Bat as a partner, I and mean, he's great. and um, and going forward, I I guess, you know, whatever that core crew is, hopefully we all stick together and continue on with the game plan.
2: So so right now, most of these horses that you have, the three-year-olds of 2023, the core group, as you mentioned, SF Racing, Starlight Racing, uh, Saul Cuman and Mattaquette Stables, Bob, <laughs> Bat Masterson, Stone Street, Jay Farber, Waves Edge Capital, and Catherine Donovan. Those eight seem to be the ones that are all together in this, iteration of the Avengers. How does the communication go? You've got eight different groups that are all keenly interested in what's going on with all these three-year-olds. Do you guys have like a Zoom call every week to get
3: together and and <laughs> you
2: know share an update on these horses? How does that work?
3: You know, I've been doing this with Starlight and trying to communicate with the partners. We only, only have 12 and we've known each other forever. And, but that's a great question. And, and Tom and his team, you know, Caroline and um, Michelle that does the accounting, um, they are just top notch on top of everything as far as communicating, you know, the status of the horses, the financial part of it. Um, and they're very streamlined and, and they're very streamlined in uh, um, the operation at uh, at the sales. And you know, Frankie Brothers used to help in the selection. He's retired now. Um, so you know, you got Donato, who's it's impossible to keep up with what Donato's doing at the sales, but uh, you know, from the financial side of it and keeping us informed uh of where the horses are in the training, what the plans for them and all that. Um Tom and and Caroline and and you know, for that matter, Gavin Murphy, they do it tremendous job don't ask me how but they do it a good job
1: (laughs) jack i'm going to ask you the same question that randy asked brad cox last week when we had him on of all your horses that are on the derby trail now do you have in your own mind a number one if you're going to win the kentucky derby this year who is the horse most likely to pull it off for you guys
3: in my yeah my opinion national treasure okay
1: just because of his consistency and what you've seen from him so far
3: um, you know, I got on him as a derby horse, you know, a couple of months before the end of the year. I just I just like the how the horse is setting up for this, you know, hopefully for the next three races. Uh, got a tremendous eye, tremendous head. I don't know if you saw him breeze the other day with reincarnate, but um, I just I just really like the horse. Uh, he's not peaking too, you know, too soon. and. I remember hearing through the years, Bob Baffert always says, you know, you get Derby fever in January and February. You don't know what you have until April comes around, you know. So uh, even though this horse may have a little seconditis or whatever, I I think from his pedigree and the way he's being set up, uh, that's, well, that's who I already have my money on. So,
2: okay. (laughs) But Jack, even before this, avengers and this super partnership and everything i mean you'd had a tremendous amount of success with starlight racing with a lot of really top-notch racehorses but i mean what's it been like to share with your partners at starlight uh, and just yourself be part of a triple crown winner and justify and then follow that up a couple of years later with the kentucky derby winner in authentic what has that meant to you and the and the in the starlight operation
3: yeah, I mean, I, that's a great question. Is, and, and we still have horses with Todd Fletcher and we've got a couple of stakes horses, too. And and I still love and respect the guy is a great horse trainer. So we're still in business with him. And we actually had, as I said earlier, if you throw out uh, what we've done with Baffert, I guess we had 10 or 11 Derby horses through through those years. Unfortunately, a couple of them ran last and sixth and seventh and and all that. But uh, it's really amazing to me with with what Tom and Donato and and Bob do and uh, accumulating these you know yearlings. And you know, I don't want to say you get spoiled, but you, you you almost expect you know with the crop that we've bought and who's involved training them and all that, that uh, you sort of expect to, to be in there competing, you know, for the points and and getting to the Derby and, and having a better shot in numbers by doing it this way than I had previously. So, and of course the partners, I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, go to the Kentucky Derby and, uh, and all that, but uh, you know, I'm not sure I answered your question, but uh, it sure is fun to sit here being talking about you know six or eight horses on on the derby trail well good stuff from jack wolf jack best of
1: luck this weekend in the san felipe and the gotham thanks so much for joining us today in the tdn Riders room
3: well thank you guys in the brains of the operation zoe is not there i'm sorry but <laughs> we missed her
1: <laughs> yeah we definitely missed her we'll get her at, we'll, we'll, how about we should, we'll get her you back for a post derby uh interview and make sure zoe comes along all
3: right thanks guys thank
2: you jack thank you jack as this week's guest of the week, Jack Wolf will receive a free one hour tax consultation from the Green Group, an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry. For more, again, go to www.greenco.com.
4: Why do the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisor? We simply save them money and know how to make them more successful. Over the past 40 years, founder Leonard Green has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. His in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732 634 or visit our website at www.greenco.com the green group proven strategies to save you taxes
2: here in pennsylvania we're proud of our breeding program the best in north america but we're also proud to be leaders in this industry the pa horse breeders association is funding cutting-edge research at penn vet to detect gene doping in thoroughbreds and we endorsed the safe act to help protect the most vulnerable horses Plus, we're pleased to support the aftercare programs set up by our Horsemen's groups. Just a few of the reasons why you should join us in Pennsylvania, the premier place to breed and race. The TD and Riders Room is brought to you by the PHBA. And here's an update on a couple of the top Pennsylvania breads in training right now. First of all, there's the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner, Caravel, who is currently at Turfway Park with Brad Cox's string there. She's not with Cox at the fairgrounds or at Oakland Park because they are planning on a Keeneland return for her in the spring. So Turfway is a good spot for her to be right now. She's earned $1.3 million the 2022 Mid-Atlantic course of the year in a finalist for the Eclipse Award category of champion female sprinter. Then we talked about the San Felipe. There was also Chase the Chaos, the Pennsylvania bred that won the El Camino Real Derby. We didn't mention him as part of our San Felipe discussion, but uh, he looked pretty good winning that El Camino Real Derby. Visually impressive. He drew the rail in the San Felipe, where he looks to pick up some more Kentucky Derby points.
1: And not only a big day at San Anita, but at its sister track, Gulfstream Park, uh, a huge day of preps for everything in the world, the Devona Dale, a prep for the Kentucky Oaks. But the big uh, show will be the Fountain of Youth. And this is the first big, big three-year-old event in South Florida. And it's starting off on the right foot. They got the champion, Forte, in there. Uh, he'll be an obvious favorite in there. Uh, Randy will be covering the race for uh, this uh, NBC network, as he said earlier. Um, I, I'm not going to be a wise guy here. I'm not going to get too creative. This is the best horse in the race. He was uh, arguably the best. Well, he was the champion two-year-old of last year. It looks like he's been working very well. So I went on XBTV to look at his last work, which was at Palm Beach Downs. He went 101 and 4 Breezing. He worked in company with a horse by the name of Ironworks, who was an allowance winner last year. He just dusted him. In that workout so i'm not i'm still learning about the workouts i like to watch XBTV, but from my uneducated eye it looked like a terrific workout in there uh guys i think forte wins this and moves on to either the florida derby or bluegrass uh and if he wins there he's the obvious favorite in the kentucky derby he's got to get through this race uh, a good field in here, pretty strong field from top to bottom. Blazing Sevens coming off uh, a third-place using was at a fourth-place finish last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but before that, he won the Grade 1 Champagne. And Rocket Can for Bill Mott, who won the Grade 3 Holy Bull. Those are three of the bigger names in the race. Uh, General Jim also coming off a win in the Swale Stakes. But, Randy, you know, this is kind of the way I, I handicap. If, if, a, if I can't find a knock on an obvious favorite, I'll just go with them. Um, you know, I'm willing to take the chalk, but I just think they're the best horse and are, are likely going to win.
2: The one knock that I could find on Forte, and it's 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 reaching. I understand, but it you know it is his first start of the year. Uh, and Todd Pletcher is good with horses off the bench, but I don't know necessarily if his running style is a perfect fit for the short stretch at Gulfstream Park. I could see a scenario where maybe he'd be charging at the end. And maybe get there just a little too late but on paper i think he's definitely the best horse in the race Uh, blazing sevens if you go back and you watch the breeders cup juvenile the head-on replay is now available and you can watch the start and you can see forte duck out at the start and slam into verifying who then slammed into blazing sevens and knocked him back to last in the initial part of the breeders cup juvenile further back than i think he wanted to be i don't think he would have beaten forte anyway but I think he would have uh, finished better than his fourth, beaten five and a half or five and a quarter lengths in the juvenile. I think he's clearly the second best horse in the race. Rocket can had a wide trip in the Holy Bull, slow number, but he did have a wide trip. Uh, I think he's a play against Cyclone Mischief. You know, he was what, six to five in the Holy Bull was a no-show with no excuse. General Jim looks pretty good on paper. He may not run. Uh, he missed a day of training with a cough, and Shook he says that it's now looking more doubtful than likely that he'll go to the well with General Jim. So we'll have to keep uh, keep our eyes on that.
0: I, I, I'm in agreement with a lot of what you said. I will put a bit more emphasis on Rocket Can with the wide trip. I think he's a progressive sort. He's just going to get better. Uh, look at the horse that beat him too bad. Did he not just win the Arkansas Derby? That was confident confidence game. Beat him two back at Churchill Downs, so I like Rock, Rocket Can coming in. I think Madge is one to consider in here for Gustavo Delgado. If you know Ramiro Restrepo, uh, he purchased this one at um, the May sale, the Timonium sale for 290,000. Just broke the maiden, but Delgado's done some pretty amazing things with horses that just broke their maidens. I think the one that's popping out is Bodie Express. Um, he he's had several that have really improved off their maiden wins. So I'm not going to throw him out of the mix. I like Blazing Sevens purely that he I can put a line through that Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And I'm in agreement that Forte is the most likely winner. But I can't knock anyone for trying to beat him. That's going to be his most vulnerable time coming off the bench first start of the year for trainer Todd Pletcher, because this is not the ultimate end goal for Todd Pletcher the ultimate end goal is winning the Kentucky Derby. So Forte is the most likely winner, but I don't think it's a one-horse race, guys.
1: Well, we will find out. Another big race on the Gulfstream Park car that I'm really looking forward to is the Gulfstream Park Mile because Charge It is in there. Uh, This is a horse that two starts back, won the Dwyer by 23 lengths. I think he's got a chance to be one of the major players in the older horse division this year. Uh, Todd Pletcher has uh, signaled the Met Mile and the Whitney as uh, two of his main goals. Uh, for his campaign this year as a four year old. Anything else on the card, Randy or Zoe, you want to mention?
2: I, I mean, shameless plug. Uh, on NBC, we'll have the Honey Fox, the Devonadale, the McDermida, and the Fountain of Youth. At Santa Anita, we'll have a Calbred allowance race that looks pretty interesting, as well as the Buena Vista and the San Felipe, and all that's from four to six Eastern seven races on NBC. Zoe?
0: Good plug. Definite good plug. 12 races at Santa Anita. 14 at Goldstream Park. Eight graded stakes, guys. I mean, the last time you have eight graded stakes on a card, it's like Breeders' Cup. It's the first Saturday. And I think what we're seeing between Santa Anita and Goldstream Park is fantastic. Some of the best horses in training will be running this weekend at both places. I think that Devona Dale is a very good race. I like red carpet ready in here for the underrated Rusty Arnold. She's a perfect three for three. There is so much more in the tank for this three-year-old daughter of Oscar performance. I really like her chances. I mean, she's going to get that.
1: Talked about the big fields at Santa Anita. Aqueduct, which has had terrible problems with short fields in stakes races. Every race they run, and a stake goes off as the third race with four horses in it, it seems. Zoe, they get 15 entries for the Gotham. I know you are on top of that. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about what to expect in another Kentucky Derby prep Saturday at Aqueduct.
0: I think it's going to be a grab bag. I really do. I mean, the horse that jumps off the page to me is, um, how great is Nate, who's coming in from parks? We've not seen him this year, but he's a perfect four for four. It's going to be a really good race. If you like betting big fields, this is certainly one to look at. Do I think we're going to see any champions come out of there? Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Carmel Rhodes going to be in there. I'm not really sure how good he is. He's in the Timiac team barn, but it's certainly a very, very good betting race. I'm not sure I can pinpoint the Kentucky Derby winner out of that field, but perhaps mm. Randy can.
2: Brad Cox has got a couple. Todd Pletcher's got one. Chad Brown has one. Look, well, There's some pretty promising horses in here. Slip Mahoney uh trained by brad cox very well bred son of Arrogate, uh, just comes off a 87 buyer speed figure maiden win before that he was beaten in a photo by tappet triche or Tappet trice whatever you want to call it uh the other uh the other cox horse, iron clover is two for two he just won an allowance race at the fairgrounds by nine and three quarters lengths both of his races have been at six furlongs there's a horse called recruiter uh, zoe talked about the other horse that's four for four recruiter is also four for four. Coming off stakes wins, sprinting at Laurel and in the park's juvenile. He's a son of Army Mule, trained by Kathleen Lynch. So there's some very interesting horses in there. And the good thing about a 14-horse field in the Gotham, post position probably is not going to be that significant because it's a one-turn mile. They've got that long run to the turn. So you could have the 14-hole like uh, like Recruiter has uh, and still be in with a, with a solid chance.
0: The TDN Rice's room is brought to you by XP TV. This week's TV Workout of the Week is Skinner. Skinner seen working here, going 5'8 under Amy Vasco. Now, you can see Amy just pumping her arms just a little bit. He's not the most generous workhorse in the world, but still worked very nicely in 101 flat for trainer John Sheriffs. He just broke his maiden on February the 19th, and he'll go forward likely as one of the favorites in this weekend's San Felipe Steaks. We'll be right back after this message
4: all the thrills, fraction of the bills, experience the power of the partnership, change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtb.com.
0: The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by West Point Thoroughbred. Joining a West Point Thoroughbred partnership can vault you literally right into the winner's circle for a fraction of the cost of trying to do it on your own. Learn more at westpointtb.com. Meanwhile, Caliostro, I definitely said that one right, took a big step forward at the fairgrounds on Saturday, battling his way to a second-place finish by half a length that will likely earn him a spot in the Grade Two Louisiana Derby on Saturday, March 25th. West Point also has stakes winner Jace's Road in line for a Kentucky Derby prep. He'll either head to the Louisiana Derby with his stablemate or opt for the Sunland Derby the following day. And finally, on Saturday, Brigadier General was back in the winner's circle in his first start as a four-year-old at the fairgrounds, battling back along the rail under Relu Gutierrez for the win.
1: And this week's Remy Bullock cartoon is in. It runs every Friday in the TDN. And uh, keep in mind that the National HBPA convention is coming up in a few days in New Orleans. So Remy has a horse on a float in the Mardi Gras parade. But it's at the corner of ARCI Street and Constitutionality Boulevard, apropos to all that's going on with HISA and uh, the rollout of that coming up in a couple of weeks. So Remy's cartoon is in this week and it's a good one. We always appreciate that. Well, that's a wrap on this week's show. I want to thank everybody involved, including our Green Group Guest of the Week, Jack Wolf, our producer, Patty Wolf, our associate producer, Katie Petruniak. My co-hosts, Randy Moss, Zoe Katman, our editors, Anthony LaRocca, Aliyah LaRocca, Nathan Wilkinson, and our mascots, Zoe's Doodle and Randy's Lucy. Where'd Lucy go? What, she I mean, abandoned she me.
2: I think she heard a food grab oh, downstairs. At. maybe. I don't know.
1: That's the most she's moved in the, in the six months we've been doing <laughs> this stuff. Well, go Lucy. She is alive after all. So, um, um, yeah. anyways, we'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for tuning us in.